Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Two, 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 two. Welcome to another edition of, oh, I forgot to check what episode we're up to again. Seven. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Welcome to episode seven-ish of uh, Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Camfield. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Um, as ever, if you want to uh, get in touch with the show or listen to any of the other shows, maybe someone will write in and tell us how many episodes we've done because they are all at didyouamerica.com. I think we should just hire someone. to Their sole job is to keep track of how many episodes we do. They're our counter, official counter. Yeah, because with this show has got such a big budget yeah. we could just hire someone to be a counter i mean how much money are you gonna pay a counter well yeah there is that I think you can afford it here's 10 bucks kid so uh, we're having this conversation on the uh, the monday after um halloween jeremy once again failed to design a costume that wasn't racist i tried i tried really hard this year too so the backstory with this is that in previous years You've never gone to Halloween with blackface. Well, not that you've shown me. <laughs> no, I've not no, seen. I've not no. seen. Fo- you've de- you've destroyed those photos. But I there were, <laughs> <laughs> there were because because I'm uh, gonna be president one day. Get rid of those as the first day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, put it this way: when all of that was going on, and you know, and quite rightly so, that's not something that people should be doing for comedic value these days. But when it became okay, everyone's agreed that blackface is socially unacceptable. How many people? just went to their social media and went straight to Halloween on as many years <laughs> right. as you could go Started back to, to, yeah, to make sure that they hadn't posted their picture. So in, in years gone by, no blackface from you, but still, you know. <laughs> there are definitely some questionable costumes. Like, you know, I told last week, I said like, one year I was a basketball player. I sent you a picture of the year I went as Rick James. Yeah. But like, even though I would always be either black people or black characters, like, I wasn't going all out wearing blackface. These are just, you know, the people I was interested in. My advice to you was, if you want to go as Rick James, you just have to take a crack pipe. <laughs> and, then, and and if people still aren't getting it, you need to uh, re reconstruct the scene where he tries to set someone on fire with a crack pipe. Did he, did he go to jail or he got busted for that, I'm right? pretty sure, but I was more the Dave Chappelle version. So I had like a big comedic bag of flour that was supposed to look like cocaine. And instead, I kept couch, like kicking everyone's couch and being like, fuck your couch all night. <laughs> right. That okay. was it. Yeah. But yeah, so this year. What about the bit of the story about when your friend did a line of uh, flour? Okay, yeah. So, you know, I had I had this, this big bag of flour and, you know, it was a college party and there was a few, a few people doing drugs there. Right. So at one point, you know, not you, you just no, had flour. No, it wasn't me. I was just, I was, I was watching. I was documenting for studies. Um, they were like, "Hey, the flour man's here," <laughs> thinking that that was code, right. but you actually had flour. Exactly. Well, you know, we're all around the table, and you know, some people are partaking and snorting lines of. Powder. Right. And at one point, one of my friends asked for one, you know, the, the supply was getting low. So I told him no. And he looked at me with such fury. He says, dude, you have an entire bag right there pointing to the full plastic bag of flour. Like if I was carrying that much cocaine to right. a party... I, I should have been arrested your, immediately. Your, your buddy was like, I am going to scarface this up. So I told him, I was like, oh, what was I thinking? You do you, man. Help yourself. And he snorted that flower and he kind of liked it. <laughs> All right. So this year's uh, Halloween 
trying not to be racialist, but slightly failing was. So I tried to be Willie Nelson. Right now my hair is really long. This is the longest my hair's ever been. So my uh, my friend's girlfriend was like, let me braid your hair and right. be Willie Nelson. Yeah. So she put two braids in my hair. I put on a red bandana, a plaid country-like shirt. The only issue was I didn't look anything like Willie Nelson. I looked like an East L.A. cholo. And everyone at the Halloween party I went to let me know that I was not Willie Nelson. Instead, I was just being a very racist portrayal of a Mexican. <laughs> so I failed once again. But it was still a cool a cool costume. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive that you, as a uh, ginger-haired white guy, could go <laughs> Uh, to a Halloween party as Willie Nelson and everyone just goes, Mexican, right? He was a Mexican. Remember what state we're in. <laughs> well, the other thing is, well, I also, I was really enjoying getting my hair braided. I felt like a very pretty girl. And during it, of course, I took the obligatory Snoop Dogg-like smoking while getting your hair braided picture. Yeah. But that's not for public consumption. That's just for when I drop my rap album. Right. <laughs> I have a, a story about uh, braids. Do you remember when Axl Rose had the braids? Yeah. his look for a while. Um, there's a big uh, festival in the UK called the Do Download Festival, and Guns N' Roses were booked to play that. And um, the big drama with that is that Download is very near an airport, so they've got very strict curfews because you can't have planes flying. Or, sorry, you can't have um, noise from the festival site after a certain time at night because of the air traffic. I don't. There, there's, there's very strict rules. There's rules. And of course, Guns N' Roses at this point, it wasn't the reformed lineup where someone bought Axel a watch that works. This was the Axel Rose that was coming on stage at like 1.30 in the morning. Um, Fuck rules, Axel. This is a true story. Because I was oh, I was hosting the festival at this point, so I was privy to a lot of backstage gossip, right? Axl Rose was so extravagant back in these days that he was flying in on a private plane, a hairdresser from Nairobi huh. to the Midlands of England. The, uh, it's near Birmingham, near where Sabbath and all that come from, where, where Download is, just to braid his hair. Oh, wow. Right? So... This guy gets flown on a private plane from Nairobi to um, to the, the, the airport near the Download Festival. And when he arrives, he doesn't have the right work papers, oh, right? No. So basically, they say, get back on the plane. You can't enter the country. And he's like, but I've just flown from Nairobi. I'm here. If Axl Rose doesn't get his hair braided, the Download Festival Guns N' Roses show doesn't go on. <laughs> Well, that bit would have been true because suddenly everyone in the Guns N' Roses camp is like, fuck! <laughs> Axel doesn't have his hair braided. He can't possibly go on stage. And then, of course, the guy who runs the Download Festival is really concerned about the fact that the time, time's ticking away and everything, right? So I swear to you, this happened. The guy who runs Download goes into the fe the uh, camping part of the festival site because it's like a three-day event. A lot right. of people camp overnight. And uh, just kind of starts mingling with fans in their tents. He's like, hey, I run Download. How you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And um, eventually finds a woman who's taken a long weekend from work as a hairdresser. Oh, and he says to her, have you ever braided hair before? And she goes, I did it once, not very well. He goes, fuck that. Come with me. <laughs> Act like you're an expert. Takes her backstage introduces her to Axl Rose, says this lady is an expert in hair braiding, <laughs> right? She braids Axl's hair. 
He, bearing in mind, he thought it could only be braided by someone who had to be flown in from Nairobi. This lady <laughs> has done hair, braided hair once and is now braiding as Rose's hair. Does his hair, he's so impressed with it, he says, not only will I go on stage tonight on time, cancel whatever you're doing for the next two months because you're going out <laughs> on the rest of the tour with me. She says, but my sister's getting married next weekend. He says, you ain't going. Oh, no. <laughs> New career. Sorry, honey. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was my uh, story That's of braided great. hair. I totally understand where Axel is coming from because I liked my braids so much that if this podcast ever blows up, I will be flying someone in to braid my hair. I, I cannot so. wait until we're recording the podcast here in the uh, Deep Ellum in the great state of Texas and we get a call on my cell phone saying, uh, could you let Mr. Hoffman know the private plane from Nairobi has just landed at Lovefield. The braider is here. Yeah, right. At that point, we're going to have the helipad on the roof. <laughs> oh, well, Uber are doing a helipad in, in Deep Ellum, right? Yeah, so yeah. We could, yeah. Well, that's, we're taking over. <laughs> that's going to be our helipad now. <laughs> All right. Um, another thing that happened over the weekend was uh, the, uh, the the death of uh, Sean Connery. I mean, it's sad when anyone dies, but he did get to ninety. That's a pretty good innings, right? Yeah. And uh, and you know, I don't want to talk ill of the dead. And people will tell you, obviously, he was a huge star. No one's um, arguing with his his star status. But he had a very very long career and managed to live to ninety. Didn't do badly for someone who actually wasn't that good at acting. <laughs> what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is he was Scottish in every role he ever played. And if you look at particularly shows on, um, say, HBO or Showtime now, I don't know why, but they all seem to have a thing about hiring British actors and making them play American. I mean, the, the, probably the best, most recent example is uh, Damien Lewis in Billions, right? Right, right. Um, the guy from Veep till. Uh, yeah, the yeah, guy, yeah. guy from oh, I Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. I used to go to the gym with Hugh Laurie. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would he would he work out British or American? No, no, no. Very British. In uh, fact, I will tell you this. I would uh, sometimes hear him uh, come up behind me and go, "Excuse me, Ian. Have you finished with those dumbbells? <laughs> Could I possibly borrow them?" I'm, uh, and I'd be like, "Only if you talk to me like the guy from V. Give me the goddamn dumbbells, man. Okay, now you can have them. I was kind of hoping you'd be like, actually, neither. He came out. He would walk over to me and talk in an extremely racist Asian accent. <laughs> Yeah, he goes, I'm just practicing for my Halloween costume this year. <laughs> um, so what a name-dropping episode this has been. I'm right. telling you about braiding Axel Rose's hair and working out with Hugh Laurie. House. Yeah. I used to work out with Dr. House. They're going to love this one. Right. So, um, uh, yeah, so he did the the uh, the American accent. And, and Damien Lewis, I mean, I don't know if you uh, have ever seen him be interviewed. But he like, talks like this. I mean, he's not even like a British accent. Like He sounds like Hugh Laurie, at least sounds like the Queen's English. Damien Lewis sounds like a slightly more male version of Adele. I'm pretty sure I'm talking to Damien Lewis. He does. That's how he talks. He's like, all right, here you go, Damien Lewis. He's up on the ground. I mean, if ever, I can't believe I didn't get cast as the chimney sweep in the remake of, uh, what's that? What's it, Dick Van Dyke? What's it called? Uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe I didn't get cast as the chimney sweep in Mary Poppins because that bad accent that Dick Van Dyke did in 19. 40 whatever I talk like that now but you watch him on billions and he's like Bobby Axelrod 
New York, New York as can be, right? So, so basically, he's able to cover up that accent for his career. And instead, Connery was like, nope, this is my accent. Deal with it. it well, yeah. I mean, the James Bond being Scottish, fine. But, you know, people always famously talk about the hunt for Red October. He was a fucking Russian with a Scottish accent. He's, like, <laughs> he's got a Scottish accent. And also, here's another thing that I always didn't really get about Sean Connery. And I'm not going to do an impression because I can't, well, I can do, uh, we've just discovered I can do Damien Lewis. Perfectly. Brilliant. Yeah. Sean Connery, all that money, right? Yeah. And he couldn't get his teeth done. What happened? If I had Sean Connery's money, I would have got Jason Dentist. Right? He couldn't get his teeth done. Get your teeth done. It's one thing, being such a bad actor, you can't break out your Scottish accent. Get your, get the teeth done. See, for me, I, uh, I'm happy about that because I, I was, I'm not the biggest James Bond fan. I don't know a ton of Sean Connery movies. So my knowledge of Sean Connery all comes from the Daryl Hammond impression of him on the SNL Jeopardy skit. Right. And I mean, the, the lispy accent is what makes the character. Well, yeah, I guess. So maybe it was just like, I'm sticking with it now. That's a dental bill right. I don't have to pay. <laughs> I've become famous for having, uh, you know, a lispy accent and not being able to do character voices. Also, while we're just, you know, effectively assassinating the character of a dead man, <laughs> managed to get away very, 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 very neatly um, in most of the obituaries I read without them referencing his long-held belief that a woman deserves a slap. Sometimes a woman deserves a slap. There's, I, so he said this in the 60s, and bad then, but maybe, maybe back then you could go, well, it was of its time. But there's this famous interview for, I think it was the late 80s, but it might as well have been almost like 1990 with Barbara Walters, right, right? right? Where she asks him sort of 25 years later, we're almost in the 90s at this point. You know, have your opinions changed? And he basically just doubles down on it. And not only that, not only does he say that women deserve a slap, his justification is basically, if you're a man in a relationship with a woman and you're having a disagreement with something about something, you're allowed to disagree and she's allowed to talk back and then you can shout down whatever her point is. But if you've made your point twice, and she tries to counter it for a second time to say that you're still wrong, maybe about who should do the washing up, that's when you slap her. What the fuck? <laughs> slap away, that's the rule. <laughs> I, just, I just love that, you know, Barbara Walters is giving like the ultimate puff piece, but like she's kind of grilling him like, oh, what about these like, these uh, statements that you made in the past? Like really setting him up to backtrack and right. ask for forgiveness. And instead he just like, very abruptly, he's like, yes, and those are still my opinions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my mind has not changed in 20 years. And then, and then on the few obituaries that do mention his, uh, you know, give him a slap, um, th they do say that uh, I think it was around 2010 he did an interview and said that he changed his mind. He probably lost his mind by 2010. <laughs> right. so the 2010 interview was the one where he didn't know what he was saying. At right? that point, that's when they realized like, oh, he has dementia. Right, yeah. So, suddenly Sean Connery doesn't believe in hitting women anymore. He must be losing his mind. Get this man to the hospital. All right, now the other thing on Sean Connery, and I, I think, um, I mean, you could take this as just a ridiculous theory from me. But I think we could be breaking worldwide news. What I'm about to say, 
I think is going to put the, I mean, watch out Joe Rogan in terms of clicks and downloads and your desire to have your face on the side of the Uber helipad in Deep Ellum so you can fly your Nairobi uh, hairdresser in. Right. This is what's going to bring us to this level. I think uh, I've got the uh, the world exclusive on what is going to be the final uh, Daniel Craig movie, which I, I guess was meant to be out now, but they're holding it back because of the, the virus until um, next year. So when I used to have a job, right? Some people listening to this might remember I used to be on the actual radio rather than broadcasting from my kitchen table. And uh, at my former job, that's where Jeremy and I met and we used to talk about topics for the show and kind of what we thought about different things. That's you know how we started working together. And after probably just a few days of doing this, Jeremy said to me at one point, he goes, you know what's interesting about you? You never have the obvious take or choice on anything. I always, you know, if it was, if we were discussing like David Bowie, for example, I would tell you that whatever out of his 30 studio albums is considered to be his very worst, I go, that one's the best. Right, you're, right? The, you're the king of the unpopular opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. So staying very much on brand with that, the best Bond movie ever is the movie that was unofficially made, not produced by the Broccoli family or anyone who generally has the rights to the James Bond franchise. And the one that Sean Connery came back to make in 1983 called Never Say Never Again. Now, Jeremy was largely unfamiliar with this movie. So before we recorded today's podcast, I kind of gave you the, uh, the the cliff notes on the movie. I'm basically an expert on it. Well, I mean, there were, I was probably going, I mean, you, as soon as I start talking about it, I get so excited. We were probably a good 45 minutes into me going, and another thing, and Jeremy's <laughs> going, okay. And I was like, I've not finished yet. <laughs> I've not, we have other things to discuss. I've not finished. <laughs> Fuck the Kim Kardashian hologram. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tell you why Never Say Never Again is the best movie. So I've always, always, always loved this movie. It's perhaps telling that as part of my Never Say Never Again tuition to Jeremy, he discovered that he could just look it up on YouTube and the whole movie's there streaming. That's probably not the case for every other Bond movie, <laughs> right. right? We were able to find clips. You were like, search for the intro. Any other movie, we wouldn't have been able to just pull up the first five minutes on YouTube. But there it was, like the third clip on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, for my own personal tribute to Sean Connery, I've got the Never Say Never Again DVD. I watched that movie again on Saturday. And so literally two days later at the time we're recording this, Jeremy is streaming the opening sh scene for, I nearly went Sean Corey, the opening scene um, <laughs> from YouTube. I've only watched it two days ago. How excited was you I again? You are like, full screen. I'm like, yes, yes. Look, he's about to headbutt the bad guy. Yes, yes, yes. So oh, good. I just, I had to make the comment that like, he's so excited about it. He's like, look how cool it is. I'm like, I'm. it made me so happy for the era I grew up in where like action movies actually look like real fights and action and not like choreographed dance between old actors. <laughs> well, so... Never Say Never Again. So it comes out, it's an unofficial James Bond movie. They can't use any of the, the Bond theme or the, at the beginning, there's no scene where uh, Sean Connery looks at the camera and shoots the gun because those, the, all of those were rights that were owned by the people that do all the other Bond stuff. 
but th- for some reason, this story, which was a remake of Thunderball, they didn't have the rights to it. So some someone else could make an unofficial Bond movie. And so Sean Connery comes back and makes this one. And I just, I, 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 I absolutely love everything about it. It's his best hair. It's his best wig. If you were to line up, I've given Jeremy, I'm not giving it to you because I like that DVD. You can't, there it is. I've given Jeremy, he's holding the DVD of Never Seen Ever Again in front of him. If you were to line up every other Bond movie with Sean Connery and look at the covers, you go, all right, as soon as you put the disc in the player, it might be shit. But based on the cover, that's the best hair. You know, when I have a DVD cover, one of the things I always like to do is, you know, read the back, see what other stuff is, you know, read the description, see what special features they have. There's a big thing that says special features. It's like they're going to list off a ton of them. There's one bullet listed and just as original theatrical trailer why even list that on the back because that movie (laughs) is so amazing you don't need anything extra it couldn't give any more than it possibly did they're like trailer movies (laughs) right better so it's so good and um I uh, I've always said that never say never again. Also, great penciled in eyebrows. <laughs> He's got great penciled in eyebrows because he hadn't played the role in twelve years. And the whole premise of never say never again, even though the story is essentially a remake of Thunderball, is that um, Sean Connery is back as Bond, and uh, Bond is too old, but he has to be brought out of retirement and has to save the world again. Right? That is the premise. Right? right? Just. Bear in mind that even if you've disregarded everything else I've said about Never Say Never Again is absolute crap, that last bit, just bear that in mind. Right. What do we know about the forthcoming Daniel Craig Bond movie, apart from the fact it's got Rami Malek in it? We know that the plot is an old James Bond who is brought out of retirement and also, in real life, Daniel Craig was adamant that after the previous Bond, he wasn't going to do any more and has agreed to come back for this one last Bond. Does that sound familiar? Whoa. So are you saying... This, this is the world exclusive, by the way. That what, what Jeremy is about to reveal is going to get us so many clicks, your face is going to be on a chopper by the time we record the next podcast on Thursday. So Daniel Craig... You're saying it is coming back for one more Bond to make a remake of Never Say Never Again, Connery style. Fuck yeah! Whoa. I, and imagine Daniel Craig pitching, see, I think this is also, I've been saying this for 20 years, that (laughs) it's the best Bond movie and everyone's reaction is pretty much like yours. But you're all. I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the whole thing's streaming on YouTube. Right. <laughs> <laughs> also, what I like about it is some of it is, is a bit cheap in so much as. So it doesn't have the, 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 the traditional Bond uh, theme music, but it does have a, like a theme song for Never Say Never Again. When you. Now we're getting very into detail here. When you watch it. Um, the theme song when the movie starts sounds a little bit like it's being played from warped vinyl. <laughs> like it's like the, the the chords are a bit off key. All the money was still going to Roger Moore at that point, so they had to struggle. I think they said, "Look, we've warped the vinyl, and we can't afford to get a new pressing of the theme song because we spent so much on Sean Connery's hair for this." Roger Moore got a view to kill by Duran Duran, and Sean Connery got warped vinyl. This also is another point. If you watch uh, Never Say Never Again and then 
back to back it with View to a Kill, which was the Bond movie that Roger Moore made like a year later, right? Yeah. Roger Moore, by his own admission, said that he was so old by A View to a Kill that just getting out of the chair was a stunt. Compare that, <laughs> even though Sean Connery is playing an old, old Bond, he's still way more agile. And View to a Kill is great, except Roger Moore is terrible in it. The theme music's great, the plot's great. Christopher Walken is the baddie. It's it's tremendous. If Sean Connery had done one more and he did Bond in View to a Kill, that movie would be amazing. But But I'm quite happy now that that didn't happen because now we are going to get the remake of Never Say Never Again starring Daniel Craig. And I, I imagine, right, Daniel Craig made, what, four Bond movies so far and everyone thinks they're great. A lot of people think he might be the best Bond. And um, he said, I'm not going to do any more publicly. He'd had enough of it. And the producers were like, oh, come back. What will it take? What will it take? What will it take? And I would have liked to have seen Daniel Craig sit down with the producers of Bond with that DVD of Never Say Never Again. And he goes, this. See, he's doing what all great action stars do. I like to refer to it as Stalloning. Right. They come back when they're way past their prime and somehow make a decent movie. Right. That's what this is going to be with Daniel Craig. He. That's what the delays are all about, I think, is they're saying like, hey, hold up. Uh, people really didn't like this James Bond movie. Maybe we shouldn't remake it. And he's like, no. This is the one. This is my last one. Put it out. And they're like, uh, let's create coronavirus. We'll delay it for a few months. Maybe he'll change his mind. Coronavirus is the kind of thing that would be in a James Bond movie as a, as a theme. I mean, based on the plot that you told me about Never Say Never Again, I'm not surprised that that wasn't the bad guy in Never Say Never Again. Spoiler alert. The very end of Never Say Never Again, because it's called Never Say Never Again because uh, uh, Sean Connery said he'd never play Bond again after the previous movie that was 12 years before, right? And at the very end, he's like, someone tries to get him to come back because he says he's retired and he goes, never again. And he's got the, the Bond girl in his arms and she looks at him and she goes, never. And then this is the end of the movie. Sean Connery looks to the camera and winks and his eye becomes one of the O's in the double O. <laughs> and that scene that now exists in my head where Daniel Craig is sitting in a movie theater explaining to the people who make the official Bond movies that this is what it's going to take to bring him back one more time. He shows that last scene and he goes, I want to do that. <laughs> They're like, oh, this movie? He's like, no, I don't care just that scene. I need to wink and it becomes the O that's magical. So this is our world exclusive breaking all embargoes news. The final Daniel Craig movie coming. Actually, this is another bit of news on Daniel Craig. Uh, you know, I told you that we have cosmic power. We talk about stuff in a weird way it happens. Right. A couple of weeks ago, were we not discussing that although we like Daniel Craig, the idea of a nearly three-hour Bond movie is too much and we're going to have to pee too many times to watch it in AMC, so we'd quite like it to stream, right? Yeah. We put that out there, right? And then last week, although it's not confirmed yet, a load of uh, news sites were reporting that because the pandemic is not going away anytime soon, it looks like, or at least there's strong rumors, they will release it as a streaming movie rather than just putting it in theaters when it comes early next year. We made that happen. We spoke that into We said we want to be able to stream our pee in our own bathrooms. And they said, okay, well, in that case, we'll turn it into a streaming movie. Did you kill Sean Connery? Did you say something about Sean Connery last week? 
Can we officially blame this on you? You've killed celebrities in the past. We must do those stories one day. There is, I do have an unfortunate streak for um, elderly entertainers, mostly musicians, but maybe it's stretching to uh, actors now, where I'll go see them and then they just drop dead. I need to see your passport. Were you in the Caribbean this weekend? <laughs> also, Caribbean, where Never Say Never Again was filmed. I think Sean Connery felt himself basically just wasting away and thought, I'm 90, I don't have long left. And they said, Sean, what's your final wish? And he said, let me pass away where I made my finest cinematic moment. Never say never again in the Caribbean. Oh, and one other thing before we get to uh, Song of the Week, I just, I'm just thinking aloud here. Daniel Craig's first ever Bond movie was a remake of Casino Royale. That was like an almost comedic version of Bond from the 60s, right? His first Bond movie is a remake and an unlikely one because previously it was like a, a comedy movie, right. right? His last Bond movie is also a remake. Wow. Never, never say never again. That's what I think she goes. <laughs> never, never say never again. No. Oh. Okay, so remember, you heard it here first. Daniel Craig coming in 2021 in Never Say Never Again, Again, Ever. He's going to love those headlines. If we were um, a professional podcast uh, and not one broadcasting from my kitchen table at this point, we'd probably have a little jingle that went, ba ba da ba ba song of the week. I think that's perfect. ba ba da ba ba song of the week. Uh, thank you if you've been voting. Digiamerica.com slash song. Uh, that's where you can go to uh, to vote. Uh, we also push, push out uh, vote, uh, votes on my uh, social media platforms. Um, and that website, by the way, the place to go to for all of the stuff relating to this podcast, including our very patriotic America t-shirts, uh, which I'll discuss uh, a little bit more about in a second because uh, people have been buying them Um I was surprised. I mean, I didn't think that for a brand new podcast, we could actually get some t-shirt sales. Um, but, uh, you know, that they've been selling. And I guess, you know, it kind of restores my faith in um, just how great America is, that uh, you put the word America in really, really bright red, white, and blue on the front of a black t-shirt with a label inside that says Canfield, America, fuck yeah. And people go, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. And only like nine of those purchases are my mom. So. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy's a little bit concerned that his mom's found the podcast and now she's going to find out all of these. What, 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 how did you describe it to me in text? Um, I don't really remember. I just know like my mom's now just going to know I'm a disgusting, vile human being. Yeah. Yeah. To levels she never quite knew before. There was a turn of phrase you had for it that I quite liked. I forget what it was. Anyway, um, if you voted on uh, last week's uh, Song of the Week, thank you very much uh, for that. Um, coming in with 21.5% uh, of last week's votes, uh, Jeremy's Choice, Tyler Hero from uh, Jack Harlow. Uh, I got 37.5% uh, of the votes with teardrops by Bring Me the Horizon. So for the first time in Song of the Week, New York producer wins with 41%. I don't think I'm ever going to win this game. No, he did text me a message saying that as well, along <laughs> with a message of, um, well, first of all, it looked like a surfing emoji that he sent me when he sent the, uh, the the results of the song of the week. And I said, what's the surfing emoji? He went, 
blue wave. I'm like, oh, because you're a New York liberal. You're making a reference to the election tomorrow. Uh, This is a sign my bet's not going to work out too well. You're having a bet? Well, I I have a little bit of fear of what could happen. And so I decided I'm just going to put like way too much money on Trump winning. This way, if he does, like, eh, whatever, I want a ton of money. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So if he wins, you think it's going to be bad for everyone, but it'd still be kind of not so bad for you because then you'd win a load of money. I just, I want The Apprentice to come back to TV. It was a great (laughs) show. This whole president reality show just doesn't live up to the hype. All right. So this week's choices. Um, I am going to go for Animal by Architects. Uh, They're a British band. They rock pretty hard. They got a new album coming out. Um, it's got some guest appearances from uh, Royal Blood and Biffy Clyro. If you're familiar with those artists, they are not on the new song, um, which I've chosen. But you can check it out. It's called Animal. It's by Architects. That is my song choice for you to vote for on Song of the Week. Mine is Atmosphere, Blotter Acid Reflux Syndrome. Atmosphere is a rap duo out of Minnesota. They've been around for a long time, for about 25 years now. They put out this album this week, the single uh, Blotter Acid Reflux Syndrome, dropped about like a week or two ago. One of my favorite rap duos of all time, Slug, is a super poetic, some people call emo rapper. He's great. And the producer makes incredible beats. This album is very spooky, uh, synth-based beats all throughout. And uh, they also have a 40-minute music video that goes with the whole album. It's really awesome. Check it out. All right. You definitely win for the best title, Blotter Acid Reflux Syndrome. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. And um, New York producer, seeing if he can carry on surfing his so-called Blue Wave, the latest song that everyone's listening to in Williamsburg. Ugh. Karma by Mod Sun. All right, so they're your choices. I'm going for Animal by Architects. Jeremy is going for Blotter Acid Reflux Syndrome uh, by Atmosphere. And uh, New York producer going for uh, Karma by Mod Sun. You can vote didyouamerica.com slash song and didyouamerica.com, the place to go to for all the stuff relating to this podcast, including our T-shirts. Um, please keep buying them because I don't have a job and they do look excellent and they do say America in bright colors on the front and uh, America, fuck yeah, Camfield on the label. I didn't even know till I designed a t-shirt that having something on the label was a thing. And if they weren't all purchased by my mom, then she hasn't quite learned my true grind quite yet. <laughs> that was that the was Yes, I found it. Yeah. Okay. True grind. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, yeah, true grime. Your mother is learning your true grime. Sorry, by, mom. By, being, by listening to this podcast. Hey, uh, follow up to something that uh, we discussed uh, last week. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm a fan of Kim Kardashian. Previously, I, I didn't care. But I kind of showed some vague interest because I quite enjoyed her on the Letterman uh, Netflix show. She's one of his interviewees in the new series that dropped um, last week. Um, And so I kind of decided that I would defend Kim Kardashian for the first time ever last week because, um, yeah, she posted about taking some friends to some private island and spending several millions on her birthday party because she was 40 and everyone was going, oh, she's out of touch with reality, coronavirus, this is ridiculous. And my point was, well, yeah, but that's what you've all bought into across 19 seasons of her TV show, you stupid idiots. Right. Now it's just another notch on her belt. You know, like 
influencer, model, Instagram star, super spreader. She does it all. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> she was super spreading at a way better organized version of the Fire Festival. Right. right? <laughs> um, and so off the back of that, as part of these birthday celebrations, something else which has got to the Kardashians um, a lot of uh, flack on social media is that Kanye got uh, Kim a hologram of her father, Robert Kardashian. Now, again, I had no idea about the Kardashian family tree until I watched The People versus O.J. Simpson. Um, and Robert Kardashian is a, is a big part of that. So do we know if this was Robert Kardashian, the real person, or was it the bloke or friends playing Robert <laughs> Kardashian because he did play Robert Kardashian in The People versus OJ. I mean, I just don't get it. Where did he get, like, these clips of Robert Kardashian used for the hologram? Clearly, Kanye hired David Schwimmer and was like, hey, man, we need you to do this again. Off our idea of having a sequel to the series... Again, this is another reason why I'm suddenly back in the Kardashians, because, again, I don't care for them, but a lot of people do. Um, but I do want... And I've said this ever since I finished season one, season two of The People versus O.J. Simpson. You might think the story ends when he doesn't get sent to jail for killing his wife. But no, there's a load of extra stuff about him stealing his merchandise back and eventually going to jail. And to be honest, if someone told uh, O.J. what uh, YouTube was, he would already have his own season just with him making observations while playing golf. Plus, now we can just get an O.J. hologram and not have to worry about paying him or Cuba Gooding Jr. Right, <laughs> yeah, because O.J. may kill us, and Cuba Gooding Jr. seems to be in a bit of trouble at the moment in terms of allegations against him, so neither of them may be available. My butt can be slapped only so many times, <laughs> Cuba. <laughs> Cuba's going... But Sean Connery got away with it. <laughs> um, so now who was going to be talking with a Scottish accent all the time? He's just going to fill that role. <laughs> Cooper Gooding Jr. is going. If I was less of a good actor and could only do one voice and spoke like this, would I have got away with it? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, the, so people are going. It's a bit creepy that uh, Kanye's uh, birthday gift to his wife was a hologram of her dead husband. Possibly even more creepy that I believe the Robert Kardashian hologram basically said that Kanye was the best person in the world ever. <laughs> right? And that's what that's what he got the hologram to say. He was like, "You should vote for your husband for president." <laughs> <laughs> I just love that, like you know. The, the whole hologram thing seemed like it was going to be so big mm. after Tupac, after the Tupac hologram at Coachella. And it, it really hasn't blown up like that. We just instead we got the Tupac hologram and we got the Robert Kardashian hologram. Well, there's been a few that have been on tour. So Tupac, that didn't become a tour. It was just a... Right. It was just a one-off at that, Coachella. That's so funny with where the world is that I, bands, actual real living but bands will sign exclusive deals with festivals to say, I don't know, let's say you're um, ACDC, right? right? And you go, okay, we'll sign an exclusive deal for $10 million and our only US show this year will be Coachella, for example, right? 
Imagine doing that negotiation with a hologram. <laughs> the two park hologram can't go on tour because Coachella signed the hologram into an exclusive deal. My favorite part is like during that so it was a Snoop Dogg and a Dr. Dre performance, and for their songs with Tupac, they brought out the hologram. And at one point, Snoop is kind of dancing with the hologram. Right. But like from where he is on stage, I can only imagine like he was just dancing in front of like weird light. You know, like, I, I feel like it could only be seen that I had a friend who was in the crowd that day and he happened to be on a little bit of hallucinogenics. Are you listening, mom? This is more of the true, <laughs> this is more of the true crime. And he, uh, he, he was convinced that he had died and heaven was a Tupac concert. So that's how real it was for the audience. I was under the impression that like, no, this is real Tupac. He's alive when he was actually living on that island in Africa. My uh, my, my takeaway from that, because I've never seen a hologram show in person. I've seen the footage that you get on, right. on YouTube. My takeaway from your buddy's review is that holograms are only good if you think you've died and you're you're witnessing it in heaven, right? right. You, holograms you, only work on acid. Right, yeah, you need to be on acid. And if you think that you're now dead, then it's convincing for the hologram. There was um, Dio, uh, that actually was a tour, like a, a sort of half-baked version of one of the Dio band lineups went on tour. And I didn't go see it. And... Um, Brace yourself! I'm about to say something controversial. Oh, let me button. hold on. <laughs> let me uh, let me preface it by saying, obviously, I love Dio because he's metal, and I and I love metal. And when the hologram was touring, I saw some footage of it, and I agree with a lot of the comments that it just looked kind of creepy. But then. In real life, Dio did look kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, he fit the mold, right? So I don't maybe know. Maybe he was always a hologram, <laughs> right? Maybe he never actually existed. Whoa. It was, you know. <laughs> and there was um, did Whitney? I, I feel like I don't know if there was a Whitney Houston hologram tour or whether it was discussed and people were disgusted, so it didn't happen. <laughs> I don't. I'm not really sure because I know like. After the Tupac hologram, there was a lot of discussion of like, all we're going to bring back all these dead artists. And like, other than Dio, I never really, Dio and then like James Dean in the movie. Other than that, like there was really nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is um, you might get better consistency with a hologram in, in, in some of the cases. Because um, I mean, like with Whitney, the Whitney story is very sad in terms of, it seemed like she might have always been someone who was very troubled and had a lot of problems, but she was so well managed for most of her career. They were, they were not apparent. So no one knew most of what was going on. And then towards the end, it all just fell apart because the last shows that Whitney did before she passed away, um, the reports of them were that, you know, she was just, you know, kind of all over the place. And um, I have a, a kind of a Whitney story. I was, when I was living in Shitsville, um, I was doing something in Manchester and staying in a, a very nice hotel there that was where a lot of, uh, lot of soccer players and entertainers would stay. Right. And, um, this was after Whitney had played Manchester, but before she died. And I was chatting to, uh, one of the ladies who was working behind the bar at this hotel. And, um, she told me that, um, there was this day where loads of people at the hotel were getting really, really excited because they all said that they'd seen Whitney 
in the elevator. And she said, you know, I knew Whitney Houston was staying here, but we have lots of famous people. And generally, you know, they stay in their rooms and they leave by the back door. Like you don't see them in the main kind of areas. And she said, but, um, there was this one day, it was just constant chatter of other guests going, Oh my God, I've just been in the elevator with Whitney Houston. Oh my God. And the lady behind the bar said that the security at the hotel had figured out that Whitney Houston was so out of her mind. She was just riding the elevator for about 30 minutes. So it was almost as if one of her handlers had probably escorted her to the elevator and gone, all right, you're in room 1002. You know where you're going, right? But no, Whitney Houston couldn't navigate from the elevator back to her hotel she was, suite. She was just stuck in the elevator. So she's literally going up and down in the elevator for a good 30 minutes. It's a big hotel. During that time, a lot of guests also ride the elevator and they go, oh my God, I was just in the elevator with Whitney Houston. It was like it was her new job. She was the door operator, just like letting people in and out. Plot twist, it was just the Whitney hologram fooling people again. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say that they were all like, her drug dealers coming up and down <laughs> to her room. And like, that was her like excuse for it. She's like, just tell them you just met Whitney and you were really excited. Like, You're just a fan. You're just a fan. <laughs> you stayed in that room a week later, you walked in the bathroom like, what is all this white energy powder doing here? <laughs> oh my, yeah, imagine that. Anyway, my point being, that based on the fact that Whitney Houston couldn't find her way from the elevator back to her hotel room, you might be better off watching the the hologram version than the, I mean, bearing in mind when she was riding the elevator for 30 minutes, and trust me, it's not like I spent a lot of time in that elevator, but the views aren't that good. <laughs> and, and, and that was when she was doing, she was there because she was touring. So right. that was her state of mind, uh, right? Yeah. So I don't know what kind of show you would have got around the time she was doing her elevator tour. You're just better of, off with the hologram, the prob- maybe. Probably, probably better off with the hologram, well, right? See, that's, I mean, they're just a little creepy in general because, like, what version of Whitney are you going to get? What version of Kim Kardashian's dad did he get? Like, Kanye West never actually knew who her father was. They never met. So, like, instead, he's just getting, like, all these interpretations of what he thinks it would probably be. Like, they could have blown up in his face very easily. No, but his interpretation was, I never met Robert Kardashian. But if Robert Kardashian had had the good luck to meet me, he would think I'm amazing. So therefore his hologram should say that to his daughter. I just feel like anyone else like would be so creeped out by that gesture. But of course, Kim Kardashian was like, oh my God, it's so sweet. He brought my dad back to life. I'm just hoping that after all of the uh, kissing Kanye's ass, the Robert Kardashian hologram said, oh, and one more thing. Do make People versus O.J. Simpson season two. <laughs> Not only that, we're going on tour together. This shit's going to be fire, bruh. Right. Whitney Houston's opening. <laughs> I'd go see that show. If you told me Whitney Houston was opening for Kanye West featuring Robert Kardashian. Right. Take my money. I'm Rob, there. Robert Kardashian, because he was the, he was the attorney, right? Yeah, he was O.J.'s lawyer, but right. he spit hot fire. Right. <laughs> I like Robert Kardashian's hologram goes, you're going on tour here. I've signed the contract for you. Yeah, like he was supposed to be the entertainment lawyer, but instead now he's a part of the show. I don't get it, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, oh, one, one, one more, one more thing. Keep this quiet. 
but have you heard about Daniel Craig's final Bond movie? Oh, <laughs> never say never again. This is this is Robert Kardashian's never say never again. It's like, I'm back, bitches. <laughs> RJ did it. <laughs> All right, uh, I think we're done. Um, if you want to uh, uh, correspond with this show, and by the way, we've done another podcast and I haven't got around to reading out some of the correspondence. So if you have written in, I'm not ignoring you. I will get around to some of the feedback. If you'd like to uh, t- uh, uh, correspond with um, the show, uh, you can either type to us or talk at us. We're so technologically advanced. We have both of those features on our website, didyouamerica.com. If you click uh, messages, then you can uh, type. If you want to actually be on the show, um, then uh, uh, you click be on the show and then you just talk at your device and uh, our website will magically record you. And then we can have a message from you uh, on the show. So it's didyouamerica.com for that. And also make sure you check out the uh, America t-shirts um, because I don't have a job and I'm very poor and we need to sell them. Plus, they are pretty, pretty phenomenal. Don't you want to support the podcast that is just giving you the world exclusive on what the final Daniel Craig Bond movie is? You need the shirt. Yeah, absolutely. You need the shirt. And frankly, we all need never say never again, ever again, ever. Don't donate to that starving African child. Buy one of these shirts. That is the official position of Did You America. Dot com.